Matthew 27 from verse 57. And we're breaking in, of course, just after the death of the Lord Jesus. So it's, it's the Friday. And uh, here's what we read. Verse 57 of Matthew 27. When it was evening, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who also was a disciple of Jesus. He went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then Pilate ordered it to be given to him. And Joseph took the body and wrapped it in a clean linen shroud and laid it in his own new tomb, which he had cut in the rock. And he rolled a great stone to the entrance of the tomb and went away. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were there, sitting opposite the tomb. The next day, that is after the day of preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered before Pilate and said, Sir, we remember how that imposter said while he was still alive, after three days I will rise. Therefore order the tomb to be made secure until the third day, lest his disciples go and steal him away and tell the people he has risen from the dead. And the last fraud will be worse than the first. Pilate said to them, you have a guard of soldiers, go make it as secure as you can. So they went and made the tomb secure by sealing the stone and setting a guard. We look to the Lord to add his blessing to what we've read from... His word. You know, our, our country seems so divided right now, doesn't it? How often have you thought that or have you even heard me say something like that in recent weeks and months? Our country seems so divided. You know, people like to identify around labels or ideologies or political viewpoints or identities. And often the thing that unites them is animosity towards those who hold a different view. And so you could go out on the street here and stop some people and ask their opinions on a variety of issues and you might find some quite dogmatically held views and maybe you could you would ask people about their views on Brexit or Scottish independence or who they'd like to be the next Prime Minister and you would get a variety of deeply held views and I'm sure you know, many, perhaps all of us, have views, some of them deeply held on some or all of those issues. You know, I, I remember a few years ago um, when it was the day when Theresa May resigned as Prime Minister, when she stepped down anyway, it was the point, the day where she was handing over uh, to Boris Johnson. So I happened to be in London that day and I thought, well, there's a bit of history in the making here. So I went along to uh, the, the entrance to Downing Street and we stood and waited as Theresa May was going to be driven out of Downing Street for the last time as she was going to go to uh, as, she, as she was leaving office and it was interesting looking around, I've got some video of it and um, you know on one side of the road this is at Whitehall at the Downing Street entrance one side of the road there was lots of people with blue banners and they were very much wanting to stay in the EU and they were making their views clear on that and then on the other side of the road there were lots of people with banners saying they wanted to leave the EU. And it was kind of emblematic of just how divided our country was at that point in time, probably still is, around 
that issue. So we saw Theresa May being driven out of Downing Street for the last time, and then we thought, well, um, if we get round to Buckingham Palace, we'll maybe see Boris Johnson uh, coming out, having been asked by uh, Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II, then Queen to uh, form a government and sure enough we got there and there were people standing and then everyone's there with their banners of course and you know it's like uh, leave the EU, stay in the EU and, uh, and, and so on <coughs> and amidst all that and we did, we did get a video of Boris Johnson being driven out of, out of Buckingham Palace having uh, been asked to form a, a government and uh, in the midst of all that there was one man and he had a loudspeaker there and he had a high-vis vest and he had Bible verses front and back and he was preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that actually reminds us of something, doesn't it? About what really matters. You see, humanity likes to divide along many lines. But really the thing that ultimately does divide us, and that it's important to make sure that you are right about, is what you do about the Lord Jesus Christ. And he preached there the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, that man, that day. And he was telling everyone that would listen about how Jesus Christ is the only saviour and how that we must believe in him and actually whatever other deeply held views or labels people might take upon themselves what matters ultimately eternally is what you do about the Lord Jesus Christ so here we are it's Friday evening, we've read Friday evening and then into Saturday the, the Jewish Sabbath the Lord Jesus has just died those momentous events, unlike anything the world had ever seen before or will again, had happened. We heard last week of how darkness covered the whole land for three hours in the middle of the day in one of the brightest parts of the world. 12 noon to 3pm, darkness covered the land. And then the curtain of the temple had been torn in two and there had been a great earthquake. The Lord Jesus had died bowed his head dismissed his spirit cried out as we read in Matthew's gospel last week with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit and so he's died and now as we read about the scene after he has died we see that humanity is still divided into those same two groups of people and we're going to look this morning from verses 57 through to 61 of what happened on the Friday evening and what we're going to see is people who loved the Lord Jesus who followed him who believed in him we're going to look at Joseph of Arimathea we're going to look at Mary Magdalene we're going to look at the other Mary as she's, as she's called those who followed the Lord Jesus and loved the Lord Jesus and then we're going to look from verses 62 to 66 at those who emerged the following day the Saturday, the Jewish Sabbath and there were those who were opposed to the Lord Jesus the chief priests the Pharisees, two groups who naturally had quite different views on, 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 on key issues. And yet here they were united in their opposition to the Lord Jesus. And coming before Pilate, who of course had given in to the crowd. And despite kind of knowing what he should do, given in to the crowd and were pressurised into the wrong decision. And we see those who were united in rejection of the Lord Jesus. And we're going to see that as the, after the death of the Lord Jesus, society is still divided into those two groups. And what we're going to see is that today it's still the same. Today it's still the same. You see, we might look back in 10, 20, 30 or more years time. And we might say, you know, 
why do we get so worked up about issue X, Y, Z, whichever issue it might be? might even not quite remember what it was all about, but there's one thing that will still be as important as ever. And it's what we did with the Lord Jesus. So let's look at, let's look at Friday evening, verses 57 to 61. Let's look at those who followed the Lord Jesus, who loved the Lord Jesus. So it's, 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 it's Friday. There's been darkness over all the land from 12 noon to 3 p.m. The Lord Jesus died shortly after that. And time is short. You see... The Jewish day had sort of two evenings, if you like. Early evening began at 3 p.m. And then the second evening began at 6 p.m. And the next day officially started then. And the approaching Sabbath, the Saturday, if you like, was a really important day in the Jewish calendar because it was the great day of the Passover feast. And there was a law, a Jewish law, and you can read about it in Deuteronomy 21 if you want, and it says that if somebody, if a man has been put to death by hanging on a tree, he was to be buried the same day. So, you know, time's short. And they've got to get the body of the Lord Jesus off the cross and buried. Now the default for somebody who had been crucified... What the authorities would have done, it was really the final bit of awfulness. They would take the bodies off the trees and they would throw them uh, off the cross, and, and they would they, they, they would throw those bodies in a common grave for criminals. Sometimes maybe the, the burning rubbish dump in the the Hinnom Valley, and it would burn continuously, smoulder continuously, and the bodies would be thrown there. And that would have been the authorities' plan. Let's you know. Bury him with, make his grave with the wicked. Hold that thought. And that's what would have been intended. But, against that background, and with time very short, before evening proper, second evening kicks in, the Sabbath officially starts, step forward a man that we haven't heard of before. A man, a a rich man from a place called Arimathea. A man called Joseph. Um, so Arimathea, it was a Jewish town. We learn that from Luke. It's believed that it was the same place as Ramah, which is the birthplace of Samuel, way back in 1 Samuel 1. You read of that, and it was probably the same place, it's believed. So what do we know about Joseph? We know he was a rich man. We learn that from verse 57. We know he was a disciple, a follower, someone who learned from the Lord Jesus. Verse 57. We know that he was actually a respected member of the Jewish council or the Sanhedrin basically. Mark tells us that in his gospel in chapter 15 verse 43. Now the Sanhedrin was a 70 member Jewish ecclesiastical religious court. And Joseph of Arimathea was a respected member of that that council. But he hadn't gone along with the rest of them. You see, the council, the Sanhedrin had been, they, 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 had, they, they had, were plotting and planning and determined that the Lord Jesus would be put to death. But Luke tells us in chapter 23 that Joseph was a good and righteous man. And he hadn't consented to the action of the council. He hadn't gone along with what the council had, had done, the Sanhedrin had done, in seeking to have Jesus put to death. So he's a follower of the Lord Jesus. He's in a an influential position. Uh, he's a respected 
member of society. And here's the thing, up till this point, he's been a secret disciple. John tells us that in John chapter 19, verse 38, that uh, he's been a secret disciple of the Lord Jesus up to that point, for fear of the Jews. You can kind of understand that, can't you? You know, it's, it's like, you see what they wanted to do to the Lord Jesus. They wanted him killed. And Joseph, he's a follower of the Lord Jesus. But he's, he's just kept that quiet up till now. He's just kept that up to qu- quiet for fear of the repercussions if he comes out publicly and says, I'm a follower of this man, Jesus. So that's Joseph. Here he is, and he's, he's got a lot to lose, hasn't he? You know, you might say, well, why, why step out at this point, Joseph? You know, Jesus has died. You kept quiet up till now. You've been a secret disciple. And what you got to, what you got to gain, and look at all you've got to lose. You know, your position in society, the respect of your peers, that's all going to go down the tubes. And do you know what? Looking at the way the Sanhedrin behaved in plotting to have the Lord Jesus put to death, you know, it's maybe more than just your standing in society that you're going to lose if you go public and say, I'm a follower of Jesus. Hey, Joseph, why don't you just, you know, keep it quiet? Fine to be a follower, fine to be a follower of the Lord Jesus, you know, just, you know, that's okay. But that can just be, keep that quiet, you know. That, keep that as a private matter. Don't shout too much about it. Don't rock the boat. You know, too much to lose. And why now? You know, if you were going to speak out, you, if, if you were going to go public as a follower of Jesus, you'd do it before now. He's died. But there's something that makes Joseph say, well, I'm going to risk it all. Here's Joseph's moment. And when time is short and the clock is ticking... Joseph wants to give the body of the Lord Jesus a proper burial. Joseph knows that he's got a tomb nearby. And uh, it's a new tomb. It's his own tomb. Would he plan to use it himself one day? He says, do you know what? That's going to be used to give the Lord Jesus a proper burial. And Joseph goes into Pilate and, and, and it takes courage. You know, here he is, and he's pretty much... Maybe Pilate doesn't fully appreciate what's going on in Joseph's mind when Joseph, as a member of the Sanhedrin Council, goes and asks for the body. But this is Joseph now stepping out from all his fellow council members and stepping forward and saying to Pilate, please give me the body of Jesus. And Mark tells us Joseph took courage. It did take courage, didn't it? To go in and to step forward in that moment when you've just seen him put to death. So many united against the Lord Jesus. But Joseph goes forward and asks for the body of the Lord Jesus and Pilate grants Joseph his request. So here's a question for us all to reflect on, isn't it? As we look at Joseph. So the question isn't, you know, the question isn't how much money have you got? Joseph was a rich man, but that wasn't really what was going to define him. It was going to give him the means to do what he was about to do. 
And it's going to be a fulfilment of prophecy, as we'll look at in a minute. But what matters, first and foremost, isn't how much money you've got. It's not what standing you've got in society. You know, Joseph was an influential man. He was a member of, the, a respected member of the Sanhedrin, the religious council. But here's, here's the question. Are you a follower of the Lord Jesus? Do you recognise him for who he is? That that man who died on that cross almost 2,000 years ago was the Son of God. Do you recognise and believe what he was doing on that cross? That he was dying for you? Do you believe in him? Do you accept the truth of the word of God that Christ died for the ungodly and that actually until we come to know the Lord Jesus ungodly is a word that could describe every one of us for we all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Are you a follower of the Lord Jesus? Are you a believer in the Lord Jesus? You see what Joseph had realised was that actually it wasn't the fact that he was rich that was going to get him a standing with God. That, that wasn't what was going to save him. And it wasn't his religion, if you like, that was going to save him. You know, Joseph was at the top of his religious system and all he'd found was that religious system rejecting the Lord Jesus and so often that's the way religious systems can be when faced with the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. They'll reject him. And Joseph wasn't going to find his salvation in that religious system. He was going to find his salvation in Christ alone. In the Lord Jesus Christ and him alone. So there's question number one as we look at Joseph. Are you a believer in the Lord Jesus? Are you a follower of him? And if you're saying, well, yes, I am. Here's the challenge. Are you willing to be public about that? Are you willing... To be publicly identified as a follower of the Lord Jesus. As a believer in him. As a Christian. You know for each of us the cost involved might be different. There might be a cost to personal standing. To, there, there might be mockery. There might be vilification. There's more and more of that coming about these days. Where Christians are vilified because of some of the things that we believe. And that's kind of where things are maybe generally in the UK at the moment. Many countries where it is much worse than that. Who knows what will happen in our country in years to come. But here's the question. If you're a follower of the Lord Jesus, if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus, are, are, you, are you willing to, to be public about that? And to say whatever the cost, I'm going to be identified with him. You know, just this week, I was uh, driving around. I, 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 I've been on holiday this past week. And holiday, basically this week, means driving my four children around to all the various uh, things that they have on. And it's a pleasure and a privilege to do that. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and I was driving around one day, whatever day it was, that uh, uh, former Prime Minister Liz Truss uh, announced her resignation. And as I was, I was listening to the, the news, I turned on one of the news channels, LBC News, on the, on the radio as I was driving around just to keep up to date with the latest developments. And they had on uh, an MP who's well known as a Christian, 
His name's Tim Farron. Please, let's be clear, I'm neither... In, in naming an individual, I'm, I'm neither speaking in favour of or against any one political party. This is not a political comment whatsoever. But Tim Farron spoke very openly about the need for integrity in public life. And my mind went back to what he himself said as he resigned a few years ago as leader of his party. Because he spoke powerfully in his resignation speech. I watched it again last night on YouTube. He spoke powerfully of how that he had come to the conclusion that he was struggling to reconcile the requirements of leading his party with the requirement to live faithfully as a Christian. He describes that powerfully in his, his speech, and I'm, I'm kind of paraphrasing what he said, but here's how he finished it. Here's how he finished it. He, he described how, how much he loved the party that he had led, and yet how he had decided that in order to be faithful to Christ, he would step away from that. He said, imagine, here's what he said, here's, here's, this is an exact quote, this bit. He said, imagine how proud I am to lead this party. And then imagine what would lead me to voluntarily relinquish that honour. In the words of Isaac Watts, it would have to be something so amazing, so divine, it demands my heart, my life, my all. So, for all of us, if you're a follower of the Lord Jesus, the, the implications of being public about that will be different. But the question is, are, are we like Joseph was here? Are we willing to step forward and say, well, I'll step up to the plate. I'll do what the Lord has for me to do. I'll be public about that. Whatever the cost. So, so Joseph, so, so he, he takes the body of the Lord Jesus and... Uh, he wraps it in a clean linen shroud, verse 59. Lays it in his own new tomb, which he had cut in the rock. That would have been a, apparently a rectangular chamber cut into the rock. There would have been a low entry room that you would have gone through to access it. And there was a stone that would block the entrance. And that was mainly to protect the body from wild animals. And apparently only tombs of wealthy people had round stones that rolled Apparently, uh, the common thing was square or rectangular closing stones, but this, you know, this was a round rolling stone, and that's in keeping with the fact we know he was a he was a rich man. And uh, so, Joseph takes the body, wraps it in a clean linen shroud, lays it in his own new tomb, which he had cut in the rock, and he rolled a great stone to the entrance of the tomb, and he he goes away, he goes away. You see, he's stepped up to the plate. He's done what God had for him to do in that moment. When humanly speaking, you'd have said, well, the clock's ticking. You know, if anything's going to happen that's going to avoid the body of the Lord Jesus just being thrown in the, the rubbish heap with all the others, it's going to have to happen quickly. Where are we ever going to get a tomb? Nearby, at this point. Who's ever going to be willing to give their tomb? So many things that you'd think, this plan is going to go wrong. But actually, it wasn't a man-made plan. God was in control. You see, our minds may go back, maybe your mind goes back to Isaiah 53 and verse 9. This is a passage that 
prophetically though written hundreds of years before the birth of the Lord Jesus describes his suffering and his death it's a well known passage and it Earlier on in Isaiah 53, we read of how he was despised and rejected by men, man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. He's borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. He was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. All we like sheep have gone astray, we've turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Now get this, Isaiah 53, verse 9. They made his grave with the wicked. That's what they would have planned to do. They were going to, you know, they would have, the, the default would have been that his body would have been thrown with all the others in that common grave. They made his grave with the wicked. And with a rich man in his death. With a rich man in his death. You see, God is in sovereign control, isn't he? God is in sovereign control. And God knew, in fact more than knowing, God planned and ordained that at just the right moment, Joseph, who had the means and had the tomb in the right place at the right time, and there he is, would step forward and say, I want to give the Lord Jesus a proper burial. And God was in sovereign control. And isn't it striking, as you look at the prophecies that were made hundreds of years beforehand, prophecies about the Lord Jesus, right from before he was born, right through his birth, his life, his death, his burial, all fulfilled as it was intended. So Joseph's done his bit, and he he goes away, and we cut to Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, Mary the mother of James, the younger, and of Joseph, and uh, you know they followed Jesus all the way from Galilee, and they've ministered to him, and uh, they've looked on at a distance, looked on from a distance. Verse fifty-five of our chapter, as the Lord Jesus was crucified, and long after. Most of the disciples had fled. There they were and they're still following him. You see they love him. They love him and they follow him all the way to the tomb. And they're sitting there opposite the tomb. And they remain there. I don't know how long for. But they remain there. So here's the challenge again. Are you a follower of the Lord Jesus? Do you love him? You know, he first loved us. He loved us and gave himself for us. And God demonstrates his own love toward us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Are you a follower of the Lord Jesus? Are you trusting in him? Do you love him? So I mentioned at the start that... Humanity is divided over what they think of the Lord Jesus. What they do about the Lord Jesus. We've looked at his followers. And that's all we read of the Friday evening. And then we move into our second section from verses 62 to 66. And it's the Saturday, it's the Jewish Sabbath. 
And we see those who rejected the Lord Jesus and still, now he has died, they're still rejecting him, as we read in this passage. So Friday evening gives way to Saturday, it's the Sabbath. And Pilate must be thinking, well, I've heard the last of this man, Jesus of Nazareth, now. And in they come. The chief priests and the Pharisees, there was lots they disagreed about. (laughs) But here they are united in their opposition to the Lord Jesus. And something's been nagging away at their mind. They've remembered something that even the disciples hadn't really grasped. They've remembered that the Lord Jesus said, while he was still alive, after three days, I will rise. Verse 63. And, and their minds obviously going back quite some time because uh, they're, they're probably going back to what we read of in Matthew 12 in verses 38 to 40 when the Lord Jesus had spoken publicly about how just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. There was other times the Lord Jesus had told the disciples privately about the fact that he would be buried and on the third day would be, would be raised. And the disciples didn't seem to have quite grasped that, but these, the enemies of the Lord Jesus, they're remembering there's something that he said about being raised on the third day. And they think, well, we don't want our plan to be derailed at this point. You know, they, they thought, so they, they, they had been successful in plotting to have the Lord Jesus put to death. Of course, God was in sovereign control and had planned it that way. But they thought, well, well, you know, we've been successful this far. We don't want to see it, you know, messed up at, at, at this point. Really, they're worried that the disciples are going to stage a faked resurrection. That's what they're worried about. They're worried that the disciples, and nothing was further from the disciples' mind, it would seem. You know, the the, the thoughts of resurrection weren't on their mind, on the disciples' minds. But they're thinking, what if the disciples steal his body and say, oh look, he's risen from the dead. And they stage some sort of faked resurrection and that will be worse than, than anything that's happened so far. And so they say, I want, we want the tomb to be made secure. And so Pilate says, okay, go ahead, do what you want to. You know, you've got a military guard that oversees temple security. It's probably the, the folks they were saying, you, use them. Make the tomb as secure as you can. Do what you want. Seal the stone, so they, 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 seal, they, they put a seal on the stone, be evident if it had been tampered with, and set a guard there so that if anyone tries to tamper or roll the stone away or anything like that, they're not going to get near. And it's going to be evident that that has happened. And surely that will be the end of things now. You know, he's, he's died. He's been buried. The stone is sealed. A guard is stationed there. Surely now that's it. Do you know what? If you picked any historical figure, I tried this last night. Pick any historical figure who lived and died. Go onto Wikipedia or whatever your preferred source of internet information is. Or, or a book. You can look up it in a book if you want. And uh, read somebody's biography, their life story they'll talk about their early life, talk about what they did and the last paragraph will be, and here's when they died here's where they died here's where they were buried 
might be a picture of their grave if it's still identifiable. You can go and see their, their remains. And that will be the end. There will maybe be a, refle- a reflection on their legacy or their influence on the world or something like that. And I tried that last night for quite a few folks. I picked some former prime ministers of times gone by. I picked some former monarchs of times gone by. I picked various folks. And it was always that same sort of format. Here's this person. Born such and such a date. Here's who their parents were. Early life. Here's where they were educated. Here's what they did as an adult. And they died. And they were buried. And here's the legacy. That's it. The end. You know what? We're not near the end yet. Because next week... Next week we are going to read a passage... That really, when you think about it... It's going to blow your mind. I'm kind of jealous. I'm kind of jealous that Ian Proud gets to speak on the next chapter. Because it's just... The whole of the word of God is great. But you know what? Reading of the resurrection, I just totally love reading about the resurrection. Because here we are, they thought it was all over. They thought that was it. Do you know what? I really don't mind if you go home this afternoon and have a sneak peek to see what happens next week. Read Matthew 28. Because it's really quite astounding, isn't it? Because something happened that cannot be written about any of those historical figures that I just described who lived and died and were buried. And that was the end. You know what it is, don't you? Because this wasn't the end at all. The seal on the stone, the guard by the tomb, the burial in the new tomb, it wasn't the end at all. He only needed that new tomb for the weekend, if you like. But the first day of the week, early in the morning, he'd be raised from the dead. And when we gather together, as we are doing today, we're not gathering just to look at somebody who was a good historical figure. He was a historical figure. He did live. He did die. He was buried, but that was not the end. We're here to look at someone not just who left a legacy of good teaching. And we can look back and see how they influenced the world. We are here to speak about somebody who's alive. Who lived, who died, who was buried, and who was raised from the dead, and he's alive forevermore. And there's nobody else that can say that about. He never died again. He was raised from the dead, and he never died again. Because death had no hold of him. So, we look at these two groups of people. And we see that they're really representative of the whole of humanity. You know, on the one side, look at those, and we read about them on the Friday evening in our passage. Those who followed the Lord Jesus. Joseph of Arimathea. Mary Magdalene, the other Mary. They followed him, they believed in him, they loved him. Two had followed openly. Mary Magdalene, the other Mary. One had followed secretly, but he was going to be a secret follower no longer. Took his mask off, he stepped into the open, he said, I'm a follower of Jesus. And nobody's going to keep me quiet about it. And the other side, we've got the chief priests, we've got the Pharisees, we've got Pilate. The chief priests and Pharisees were very open in their opposition to the Lord Jesus. They wanted their religion, they preferred their religion, they liked the power and prestige that came with the religion. And there's Pilate, perhaps the most tragic figure of all, he knew what the right thing to, would have been to do. He gave in to pressure from the crowd. 
thought he could wash his hands of the Lord Jesus and then ended up going along with it all and delivering him to be crucified. Pressure from the crowd led him to make the wrong decision. And do you know what? As we read towards as, 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 as we read in future weeks towards the end of Matthew's Gospel, we're never going to read about Pilate again. But still humanity splits into those two groups, doesn't it? Those who are followers of the Lord Jesus who believe in him and those who reject him. And that's actually what it comes down to. That's what it boils down to. Whatever other dividers there might be in our country right now, the one that has eternal repercussions, is what do you think about the Lord Jesus? You believe in him? You're saved, you're forgiven, you have eternal life. You're reconciled to God. You reject him, you stand to face the judgment that that each one of us deserves. If you want to accept God's salvation, you stand to face that judgment. You know what? I'm going to read a very solemn verse just as we finish. It's a verse that describes every one of us. It's in John chapter 3, it's verse 36. It describes every one of us because every one of us falls on one side of this line. And I'm not going to be asking for a show of hands. And I'm not going to be asking for you to tell me, although you feel free to speak later about these things if you want. As always, I'll be loitering and delighted to chat about these things. But just, you know, between yourself and God, just, just answer this honestly. Where are you in this verse? Here's John 3.36. It says this. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life. But the wrath of God remains on him. See, the Bible's very clear, isn't it? It's very honest. It's very... Doesn't leave us doesn't leave us guessing. And the most important thing, the most important decision you can ever make is the decision to to follow the Lord Jesus, to trust in Him. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. Let's pray. Our Father, we've we've read of momentous events today. Events which you, in your sovereign control, ordained and planned. And in reading of those events, we we see that division that cuts right through the whole of humanity pray for everybody here for those who are followers of the Lord Jesus who love him who believe in him help us help us always to be open about that keep us from pushing ourselves into secrecy for fear of rejection or repercussions. And we pray for any who who are not 
trusting in the Lord Jesus, not believing in him. I pray that nothing will hold them back now from putting that right. Looking at that man who died on Calvary for them, who lived, who died, who was buried, and who rose again, never to die again. I pray that they believe in him. And we ask this in the Saviour's name. Amen.